0: Good morning. Welcome to WCF. We're so glad that each one of you are here this morning. Those of you that are joining us online, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us and tuning in as we've gathered to worship our God. And our God is a good God. He's the one that gives us hope. He's the one that brings us joy in our lives. And he's the one that we um, will praise forever and ever. And so I invite you to stand and let's worship our great God and King this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Person next to you, encourage them this morning, say good morning to them, and then you can be seated.
1: A lot of stuff going on. Well, let's go ahead and let's continue to worship through giving as the ushers come forward for this morning's offering. Father, we thank you for all that you've blessed us with. You are amazing and and kind, and generous, and loving, and holy, righteous, and true. You are worthy to be praised far above all that we could ever think and imagine. We'll be praising you for all eternity. Lord, this morning we come before you and we want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to offer our lives to you as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. Because God, that's our reasonable service. You've redeemed us and given us life. Father, we would ask that this morning you would receive this offering as an act of worship and praise. And we're not paying off anything. We're not giving back to you something that that is a debt, but it's a it, it's a honor. It's a privilege to acknowledge that all that we have comes from you, and may you receive this offering as an act of worship and an act of praise, and saying thank you in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. make this song our prayer this morning, that we are here for you, God, this morning.
2: Let our praise be your welcome.
0: second verse it says the healers in the room, the saviors in the room. just want to remind you this morning that God is here this morning. Wherever you are at this morning, he's here to meet with each one of us personally. He's here to meet with each one of us each of us as a corporate congregation. But just remember that God is here this morning and hearing your heart cry this morning. Listen to the lyrics and then we'll have you join us this morning. hearts here this morning to look into your face. We thank you for what you've done for us. For bringing us to another day. How you sustained us, watched over us, provided for us. We are your kids and you will never let us go. So we thank you this morning and we worship you as our God and as our King. Now as we look into your word, Holy Spirit, we desire continue for you to reveal to us who God is and what he desires us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: We're going to begin a new series for the next four weeks on spiritual resilience. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you go, I can't do this anymore? Like I've hit the wall, stick a fork in me, I'm done. Many people have come to those different places in your life where you go. I just don't. I I can't do this anymore. And it's really more of a statement of, I don't want to do this anymore. But it's when we hit the wall, we come to where we struggle, and and we call it a breaking point. Do you know what your breaking point is? That that place where you feel like I'm done. Franklin Roosevelt said this, when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. And and that really is what we need to do. You know, I think about the idea of this breaking point when you say, well, I've I've hit my breaking point. I, I can't do this anymore. It's really I don't want to do this anymore. And what I find is that most people, their breaking point is really just the, I am bent and I am stretched as far as I want to go, but I'm not quite broken yet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm ready to snap, but I'm not going to snap within this. One of the things that I find is its stress and its anxiety and, and difficulties and trials and traumas that push us to, to our ends, that, that bends us. In such a way, and Satan takes advantage of this. Satan wants to take advantage of your breaking points, your, your, your ability to say, I quit, I can't do this anymore. He wants to use these anxieties and these traumas to hurt you. To cause you to quit. To give you to a place where you just say, well, I can't do anymore. And God says, no, that place is where I want you to go. So that when you say, I can't do this anymore, God then says, I can. And watch. It gets us to a place where we come to an end of self and where we can watch God work within this. It's those places where we say, well, I'm at my breaking point that heaven breaks through and the power of God is revealed within this. And so Paul even implies this in his letter to the Church of Philippi, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And this is the the best part. I can do all things through him who what? Strengthens me within this. And so we, we look at this in this concept of spiritual spiritual resilience. And this is something that, that in our culture we're learning more about, this idea of resilience. But the, the resilience is the springing back. It's the rebounding uh, back to its original form it's much like a, taking a rubber band and stretching it all the way out and then it's, it's right there and you let go and it, it comes right back within this it's the idea when you get knocked down the ability to get back up the resilience years and years ago and I'll probably date myself but how many of you older people remember the blow-up bozo the clown that used to you'd punch the thing and it would bounce back up and come back up Have you ever felt like you were the bozo, the clown? You'd get hit and then you'd bounce back up and it didn't matter what you had to do. It had to be deflated in order to be able to keep it down. But within this, you look at this is the idea of resilience, spiritual resilience is the ability to bounce back. Webster defines it as this. The spiritual resilience is the ability to sustain oneself. And purpose through a set of beliefs. Principles or values while encountering adversity, stress, and trauma by using internal and external spiritual resources. In other words, it's the ability to sustain yourself under these very difficult circumstances using both internal and external spiritual support systems. That's spiritual resilience. It's what God puts in you and what God gives around you to be able to be sustained during difficulties. In this world, we will have tribulation, won't we? But we can be of good cheer. Why? Because Christ overcome the world within this. And so over, the, over our time here this morning, we're going to take a look at the life of Joseph and his spiritual resilience and, and within this, how faith and integrity would help him. Faith and integrity will provide resilience for Joseph as he was unjustly treated. Faith and integrity would provide resilience for Joseph as he was unjustly accused. Faith and integrity would provide resilience as he was abandoned and forgotten. And faith and, and, and resilience is going to be contingent on his understanding of God's goodness for him. And so what does that mean? If you really understand that God is good and he's good all the time, and that it's God's goodness for him and for you, then you can be resilient in every set of circumstances and every difficulty within that. We're also going to look over the next four weeks at at four different people and how spiritual resilience was manifest in their life. Today it'll be Joseph. Next Sunday it'll be Moses. And And how it was an intimate relationship with God. Then we're going to take a look at Paul, how Paul was spiritually resilient based on his calling. And then finally, we're going to take a look at the Apostle of John and how he was spiritually resilient because of knowing the love of God for him within this. But today, we're going to take a look at Joseph, a young man who was spiritually resilient, and it was demonstrated through his whole life, a life of adversity. You can relate to Joseph in a lot of different ways because in the four categories I gave you, at one time or another in your life, you're going to experience these things. Where the stresses are going to push you to the breaking point, but you don't have to be broken. As long as you have the right perspective. What's the right perspective? We're going to stand and read Joseph's perspective at the end of the account in Genesis chapter 50 verses 19 to 21. Let's stand and let's read that passage together. I'll read it and you can follow along. It says this, But Joseph said to them, them being the brothers, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. Notice, I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. To preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And so he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. God, we surrender ourselves to you and the teaching of your word. Lord, we would pray that you would that you would bring to light these events in Joseph's life, so that we would understand, that we would know that you are there for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to kind of do an overview. We're going to start in chapter 37. You can flip over to it. Most of you, I would imagine, all know the account of the life of Joseph. If not, then I encourage you when you go home today, read chapters 37 to chapter 50. We are not going to stand and read all of those passages together. But we, we more or less start in the early days of Joseph. Now, when we take a look at the life of Joseph, Joseph's account begins as a child that was loved by his dad in the account in chapter 37 beginning with 2b all the way through verse 11 we're given that joseph was loved much by his dad why because jacob was married and and to a woman that he loved dearly and he had multiple wives within this and at 17 this family is Put together, Joseph is sent out to go take and and check on his brothers that are taking care of the family flock within this. Now, Joseph was a in this blended family. In this day and age, we're like, okay, well, you know, blended families is a thing of our time. No, it was also a time of, thing of Joseph's time. He had there was four different moms in the household within that. So we have Rebecca and, and Bilhah and all these others that are there within this. But the thing about Joseph is. Joseph was loved more than the other brothers. So here's the situation. Joseph's growing it in a blended household with a dad that that is showing favoritism towards him more so than the other brothers, creating animosity between the brothers and himself. So we have this family dynamic that's going on within this household. And Jacob's bias was demonstrated publicly how was it demonstrated publicly because he got what the tunic of many colors this outer coat this blessing while the brothers were out taking care of the flocks jacob was at home and then he would go and he was sent out to go give a report on the brothers against them in what was going on and so joseph comes back as being the obedient son comes back and he declares this evil report against the brothers Now, we're not told exactly what they were doing that was seen as being evil, but he was the tattletale. And so he comes back to dad, you're not going to believe what they're doing. And the brothers knew that. Now, how do you think that went with the family dynamic? Probably not so well. And so there was an animosity between all of the brothers and Joseph within this. And that motivated them to become violent. In chapters twenty, in chapter twelve through thirty-five, there was this jealousy that was raged, and so one day when Jacob told Joseph, "Go out and check on your brothers," they see Joseph coming from a distance, afar off. Now you already don't like the guy, and he's showing up, and these are brothers. If you ever grew up with brothers, do brothers fight? Do sisters fight? Sure. And if mom and dad are not there to break it up, does it get pretty ugly pretty fast? Absolutely. So Jacob sends Joseph out to the flock to check on his brothers, report back what they're doing. And Joseph sends them out kind of as a spy. He set them up for this, not realizing what was going on. And he finds his brothers. And so within this they grab joseph and but first they say you know here comes that that dreamer now keep in mind there was also some animosity that was going on because do you remember joseph having a couple of dreams and he had a couple of dreams and he had told the the dreams to his dad and to his brothers and he said you know i had this dream about the sheaves and and there was these these 12 sheaves, and, and they were bowing down to me. And then there was a sun, moon, and stars, and they were bowing down to me. they said, well, what, we're all going to bow down to you? And Joseph's like, well, it's the dream. So within this, they had this great animosity towards him. And they say, here comes that dreamer. And what did they plan for the dreamer? Let's kill him. Let's kill him and then we'll tell dad that wild animal got him. So they had this plan. Let's kill him and let's let's deceive dad. And we'll just tell him that, that a wild animal killed him and we'll be done with this guy within this. Now Reuben would advocate not to kill him. He had a little bit of a conscience. Let's not kill him. So let's throw him into a pit. Let's throw him into a well, this pit. And so Joseph shows up. They grab him. They strip him of his cloak, which he's wearing. They throw him into this pit, and then they decide to have lunch. Now, keep in mind, did Joseph do anything to deserve this? Not really. He was a typical 17-year-old boy that was taking advantage of a good situation. And he had these dreams that God had given to him. Within this, they they throw him down. They're eating their meal. And instead of killing Joseph, the the brothers say, Hey, look, here's some Ishmaelites and Midianites that are coming. It's not going to profit us anything to kill this guy. Let's make some money off of him. So they sold him into slavery. And then we'll tell Dad that he got killed. He'll go off into slavery and we'll never hear from him again. It's not like Joseph had a Facebook page that he could post. There wasn't going to be an Amber Alert or anything like that that was going to happen. He would just disappear. And it would happen. People disappear all the time. Let's do this. And so within this, Reuben had it in his mind that he was going to release him later within this. But Joseph was so hated and unjustly treated i got to thinking about that have you ever been in a situation like that where people just hated you and treated you unjustly for no real reason other than the fact that you were just you your mere existence challenged them do we find that in the world today even as a christ follower does your existence in this world today as a Christ follower challenge other people? The answer is absolutely what? Yes. To the point that they will kill Christians. They will seek to eliminate their existence because you challenge them. And the, the fact of the matter is that murder is not going to really satisfy their hatred towards them. They're still going to have it within this. And Joseph's dreams are not going to go away. It's not like if I kill Joseph, then this future dream, this prophetic dream, keep in mind, dreams were prophetic at that time. They were thought to be prophetic. They didn't want the dream to come true that they would ever have to submit to Joseph within this. And so the plan was eliminate Joseph, eliminate the problem. And the fact is, this trial actually moves Joseph closer to where he needed to be for the end game. It was hard for Joseph. But God had a plan. Just like God's got a plan for your life. And when people treat you poorly, they hate you for no reason, they push you out to the margins, they want to eliminate you within this, understand God's got a plan. In fact, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. What was the plan? The plan was to get Joseph to Egypt within that. You know, I counsel with a lot of people, and, and I've counseled with people that have had to go through divorces that they didn't want to go through where they were hated just because they were following after Christ because there was an unbelieving spouse or whatever the case is. And and, and within that, take courage. God's at work behind the scenes, and you're not going to get it until you get it. And we read about that in chapter 50. But to get there, Joseph has to go to Egypt. To get to chapter 50, he has to be moved from where he is in Canaan land to Egypt. Genesis 37, 36 says this. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So, what kept Joseph in this adversity? His faith and his integrity. He's trusting in God. He's a 17-year-old that doesn't get it right now. He's he's coming out of the bottom of a well going off into slavery. Which brings us to chapters 39. And he... Flip over to 39, jump ahead to that. We're going to see where Joseph now lands in Egypt. Joseph was taken to Egypt, yet he was blessed by God with prosperity. So he sold off into slavery. He goes into Potiphar's house, who was the bodyguard of Pharaoh, really close up within this. And because of his integrity, God was blessing him within this. If you look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 39 of Genesis, it says this. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. What was God doing? He was positioning Joseph closer to Pharaoh. But he would get him closer to Pharaoh via Potiphar within this. Now, as you look at this, you say, well, what, how does the spiritual resistance? Because of his faith and his integrity... Joseph did not become a disgruntled servant. He wasn't in Egypt going, my brothers hated me. My family abandoned me. Now I'm working for this guy. I hate it and I'm going to do the bare minimum. I don't want to work. No. His faith and integrity drove him to do his best and God blessed his best. Why? Because God was building his reputation. His reputation is one that would would serve. Regardless of the circumstances that would bounce back. He did not allow his home life, his early childhood and all of that. He didn't allow that to shape him. He served within this. As God was positioning him. And, And think about this. Rejected by your family. Removed from your home. Forced to live in a pagan culture that is contrary in faith structure to everything that you know. And he was flourishing. Why? Because God was with him. And God was moving him into that position. Potiphar entrusted Joseph with everything. Because Joseph was a great guy, Potiphar thought so. But really, it was because God's a great God. And within this, it was the blessing of God. Notice verse 6, it says this. In chapter 39, so he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge and with him there. He did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. And now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. You look at this and you go, how does this happen? This Egyptian soldier is leaving everything to a young Hebrew boy to manage and says, you know what? You're doing a great job. It's all the only thing I'm gonna worry about is what I'm gonna have for dinner. Everything else is under your control. How do you get there? You get through through faith and integrity, understanding, God, you got this. You're doing this work. Within this, I think it's important to note that he was handsome in form and appearance. And as this young adult, he was changed he was. Facing all of these challenges. And so within this trial. What's the trial that God is going to work in his life? It is the fact that he is going to push off immorality. Here he is. This young adult. That is in this Egyptian culture. And then you've got this woman. Potiphar's wife. Who wants you. Who wants you. Wants to take you for himself. We think about this idea of integrity. Integrity means doing the right thing the right way, regardless of who's present, and even when no one's aware. We come to the account, as you read through the chapter in 34, Potiphar's wife sought to force Joseph to violate her husband's trust. Potiphar's wife says, I want you, I want you now. Now you think about this is the boss's wife, You're a slave. Would he be compelled to obey? Normal culture, yes. But he says no. He says no. He was handsome. He was well built. He was there. And Potiphar's wife pursued him not once, not twice, but multiple times every time he would come into the the room or come into the house. And Joseph said no. No. In fact, we can see Joseph's integrity in three different ways for doing this. He says, I cannot break my trust of my master. And I cannot create an offense to my master. But most importantly, I can't sin against God. Notice in verse 9 of chapter 39. It says, there is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? What is going to build spiritual resilience in you? Your faith in God and your integrity. Spiritual integrity. The ability to be to bounce back. It's going to be what keeps you. It's going to keep, be what keeps you straight. And Joseph was living according to God's moral law. All he knew was the moral law at this time. He knew it was morally wrong to go into Potiphar's wife. He was not going to go along to get along. Isn't that what the world says to do today? Let's just go along to get along. I know it challenges your faith system. Let's just go along and get along. Let's make everybody happy. Integrity says, no. The only one I serve is God. And I stand for him within this. And I'm not going to go along to get along. And he refused to compromise. One day, Potiphar's wife, she, Joseph, he kind of messed up. He got close enough she could grab him. She grabbed his tunic. Right? And he's like, I'm out of here. And he runs out. And and leaves the tunic. Now, I don't know if Joseph had anything on underneath. But it's interesting that she stripped off his tunic. It's interesting that the brothers had stripped off the tunic from the father. It's interesting that Joseph was not attached to these things. It was really about him standing firm and not giving in within... The confines of his circumstances. There was no witnesses present. Could Joseph have gone along to get along with this woman? Yeah, he could have. But it's a slippery slope. One compromise would create a lifestyle in this. And he wouldn't do that. And so he wouldn't allow it. In 2 Timothy, Paul would write, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Joseph knew he had to live with himself. So within this, he's building this spiritual resilience because he's practicing faith and integrity. But it's going to cost him. Well, we all know the account. What ended up happening? She falsely accused him. She yells and she screams and she yells rape and, and all of this. And this Hebrew slave, he attacks me and, and all of these different things that are going on. No one was there. She was scorned and she was dejected and she accused Joseph falsely. Pharaoh was, or Potiphar was livid. The very thing that Joseph didn't want to happen, the feeling that Potiphar's trust was broken... Potiphar felt betrayed. So he sends Joseph down into another pit. A jail. And he goes down in this pit. Now why is this important? It's important because God's at work. He, He goes into this jail. Why? Because he has a divine appointment that has to take place in the jail. Remember, God's plan is happening. And he's trusting in God. And his integrity is keeping him. So for the second time, Joseph is in the pits. He's in the pits. And you're saying, God, I don't like this plan. You ever been in the pits? It's like I was down. And I'm up. then I'm down. I don't like this journey. But within this, God's plan is being fulfilled. Because he needs to meet a baker and a cupbearer. It's important that he's there. And at the end of chapter 39, verses 21 to 23, note. says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and extending kindness to him, gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge, note, all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done, there he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not surprise Joseph supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. So again, we see this jailer, much like Potiphar, recognize his ability and he doesn't really know that God's behind it and he says, in the jail, Joseph, you're in charge of all the prisoners. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Even in this pit because his faith in God and his personal integrity, he can face the adversity. Now, could Joseph been a disgruntled prisoner? Sure he could. But he decided not to. He decided that wherever the Lord puts me, I am going to serve with a pure heart. I'm going to do my best. And God honored that, within that, because God was not done with him yet. So then... If you jump over to chapter 40, we see Joseph in the prison. While in the prison, Joseph's given this ability. So he's here with this, this cupbearer and this baker who made Pharaoh mad for whatever reason. We're not told. He just made him mad. And so he told the cupbearer and the and the, the baker, you're in jail. Sends them off to jail. And th- again, this is Joseph's time in the pits and, and in this jail and the baker and the cupbearer. They have these dreams. Now, this is where Joseph being the dreamer comes into play. God had given him this gift to be able to see a dream. And now he's going to give him the gift to be able to interpret the dream. The the baker and the cup bearer, they have these dreams. And you can read about these dreams where they had these these three-day events. And Joseph interprets them. Now, within one, It's good. With the other one, not so much. The cupbearer had a dream, and three days later, he would return to his job as the cupbearer. The baker, on the other hand, would have a dream, and three days later, he would be called up and be executed. baker would end up, and his dream was about birds and loaves, and, and the birds would come and eat them, and it wasn't, wasn't a pretty dream. Why is this important? Again, God was using Joseph in whatever circumstances that he was, and Joseph was spiritually resilient enough to respond properly in those difficult situations. Did Joseph ever think he was going to get out of jail? No. I'm here. This is is my lot in life. I'm going to be in this place. I'm never going to see my family again. I'm never going to get out of this jail. I'm going to do this. But dreams belong to God. And God's using them. So Joseph is in this jail, within this. And the cupbearer was released from prison. But what's important? Chapter 40, verses 12 to 13 says this. This is the interpretation of it. Three branches are three days from three more days. Pharaoh will lift your head up, restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to the former custom, which was which you had as a cup bearer. Then at his release in verse 23, it says, "Yet the chief cup bearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him." Joseph had asked and said, "Please remember me when you leave," and he was forgotten for two years. Forgotten. Now. Again, as a young man, could you be saying, Well, you know what, God, I'm doing the right thing. I did the right thing the right way for the right reasons. I'm serving you as best I can. I've been empowered to give these interpretations. And when you get up and talk to Pharaoh, just remember me. Don't forget me down here. And forgotten. One of the most difficult trials to get over is the feeling of being marginalized, pushed to the side, forgotten. And you feel, well, God, do you care? Do people care? Understand that that integrity and that faith that God has that you have in God means God's not done with you yet. Was God done with Joseph? No. But I'm sure Joseph probably felt that way. God, And, and you think about that. Up to this point, my, my family hated me. And they sold me off to slavery. First they wanted to kill me. But then they made money off me. Sold me off to slavery. Then I go to work in Potiphar's house and everything's going fine. Okay, great. I'm a slave. And, but I'm, I'm doing okay. And then I got this evil woman. And she lies about me and I end up in jail. And I do really good in jail and I'm working really hard and, and serving you God and doing all the right things. And these people in need and, and, and I'm helping them. And and I asked him, I said, you know, when you get out of here, just remember me. And now I'm forgotten. Again. And Joseph is still in the pits. Then we come to chapters 41 all the way through 15. Which is really understanding how this works out. Said so two years later, two years later, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. Why? Because the cupbearer was a great person. Nope. Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. In this dream, it was the dream about the seven cows being eaten by the seven lean cows. You can read about it. The seven ears of good grain came up, and then in the ground, then seven. Thin ears of grain were scorched by the wind. Pharaoh was looking for an answer. And Pharaoh went to all his people, his wise men, all these people. He says, you guys got to give me the interpretation of this dream. It's from God. I don't know. It's a God is giving me this dream. I got it. And everybody's like, nope. Don't have a clue. And then Mr. Cupbearer says, oh, I know somebody. Yeah, you do know somebody because he helped you out. Was the cupbearer giving the information because he wanted to help Joseph or help Pharaoh? No, nope. He wanted to move up on the food chain. Within this, he goes to Pharaoh and he says, I know a guy who interpreted my dream. Remember that two years ago? This is what he did, and he tells the whole account within this. And so Joseph was brought from the jail to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which would result in Joseph's promotion. And it's clear that God had given Joseph the interpretation. In fact, Joseph never takes credit for doing the interpretation. In chapter 41 verse 16 says this. And then Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, "It's not me. God, Yahweh, will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Tell me tell me the dream. Not me, it's God." How do we know that Joseph had integrity? Joseph had integrity because could he have self-promoted at this point? He's in front of Pharaoh. I have this great ability. But his integrity says, no, my faith is in God, and God will give you the interpretation. That's integrity within this, unlike the cupbearer. And so Joseph gives Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream. You're going to have seven bumper years, seven good years. Then you're going to have seven lean years. And Pharaoh, here's what you need to do. You need to go during those seven good years and take one-fifth of everything and put it into a storehouse. And you need to appoint a good manager that's going to help take care of all of this. It's interesting that Joseph gives to Pharaoh more information than what he actually asked for. He, He just asked for the interpretation for the dream. Joseph gave him the management plan. Here's what you need to do within this. And again, could Joseph have been the disgruntled guy? Could he have gone back and said, Hey, Pharaoh, let me tell you about Potiphar's wife. What a wicked woman she was. Let me tell you about how bad my family was. And how I ended up... Let me tell you... No, he doesn't do any of that. He just trusts in the Lord and focuses on what's at hand. And so within this, Pharaoh trusted Joseph again and gave him authority. In chapter 41, verses 37 to 41, says this, And now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all of this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Jacob put Joseph over his brothers potiphar put joseph over his household pharaoh put joseph over the land of egypt was it an easy road no because he'd have to go down to the pit before he would be elevated again it would be difficult for him he was given a ring and a robe oh wait a minute wasn't he stripped of a tunic Stripped of a slave's robe. But now he has the robe of a prince. And the ring. Stripped of his family. Signet rings at that time meant you were a member of the family. Within this. He was given a robe and a ring and authority and all of these things. Joseph was now about 30 years of age. And he marries Pharaoh's daughter. Amazing. And we would say, this is rags to riches. Joseph is blessed. Yes, he's blessed. But not for the sake of Joseph being a blessed person. This is all part of God's sovereign plan. Why? Because when God spoke to Abraham, He said, through your seed I will bless many nations. Israel... Jacob and his 70 in the family must go to Egypt to multiply to become the nation of Israel for the blessing to flow through the nation of Israel to all people. And in the spiritual resilience, Joseph is the key to it all because he doesn't lose faith or integrity in the process. And he has no clue about God's greater plan that's within this. In, in chapter 41 and on through, Joseph manages all the grain. And it happened that, that all of the things happened according to the will of the Lord within this. So much so that the brothers would have to come to Egypt. You know the account. Jacob says there's famine in the land, send the brothers. Genesis 41, 53-55 says this, When seven years of plenty had been filled in the land of Egypt, it came to an end. Seven years of famine became to come, just as Joseph had said. And then there was a famine in all the lands, but all the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph and whatever he says, you do. Within this, we see Joseph being that man of integrity. Do you remember the phrase that he used in chapter 50, verse 20? As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. To preserve many people alive. Your evil actions, God used for good. Why? To save many within this. As the account goes, the brothers show up, Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. He's much older. He's, he's dressed as an Egyptian. They see him. And with all of this, the brothers don't recognize him. And Jude, Joseph is deeply moved, but not angry. He sees the brothers within this. They don't recognize him. And with, we struggle with this. And they say, well, is this all the brothers? No, there's a brother. His name's Benjamin. My father's son, he's kept at the house. Why? Because Jacob never changed. Jacob was still prejudiced towards the sons of Rebekah. Within this, Benjamin was there. Kept him back. Joseph says, nope. I'll give you all of this stuff. Go get your brother. Keep Simeon. They send him back. And they stuff the money in there. They get back. They don't have Simeon. They have all their money back. And they go back and they stay for two more years. They leave Simeon. They don't really care about him either. And then dad says, We need food. We got to go back. Brothers say, No, we can't go back. He said, We can't go back. We got to take Benjamin. Dad says, You're not taking Benjamin. Say, he ain't going. But Simeon's still there. I don't care. Can you imagine being Simeon? So finally, it got so bad, and they said, okay, go. And as you read through the account, they go back, and they take they take Benjamin. Joseph sees Benjamin, and he breaks. In fact, within this, verse 30, chapter 43, verse three, 40, it says, Joseph hurried out. He was deeply stirred over his brother and sought a place to weep. And then he entered his chamber and wept there. Why? Because for the first time he saw his complete biological brother in the family. Whom he hasn't seen in a really long time. Question. Could Joseph have retaliated at that point? Does he have all of the brothers? Did he have the power to put them to death? But he doesn't. He reveals himself to whom he is. And he says, now here's the plan. And he goes to Pharaoh... This is my family. I'd like my family to come. And he says, here's my plan. Go get dad. Go get the rest of the family. Bring them here. You're going to live in the land of Goshen. I'm going to provide for you. Now, how does Joseph get there? Spiritual resilience. To be able to be in that place. In chapter 45, verses 7 and 8 says this. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth. And to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. How do you get there? Spiritual resilience. Faith and integrity. And it doesn't matter how many times you find yourself in the pit. Do not allow your circumstances to change you. Joseph trusted in God and kept his integrity regardless of what was going on. That's why we read earlier chapter 50 verses 19 to 21. Don't be afraid for I am in God's place. That's a powerful statement. You are in God's place. And God has a plan So don't be afraid. God will provide for you to provide for others. Spiritual resilience is is based, and the lesson we learned from Joseph, is based on faith and integrity. And don't be moved. As you build faith and integrity in your life, when you get thrown in the pits, you'll be able to come out and bounce back and watch God work. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've given to us the ability to To stand firm and stand fast. Lord, we know that you use a lot of different circumstances in our life to move us and to train us and to build in us faith and integrity. That when trials come, we will bend, but we will not break. Father, we thank you that we are a blessed people. And if we keep our eyes on you, we will continue to be able to bless others. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with stress and anxiety today. May they lean into You and not be broken by the world. We praise You and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll stand and we'll close. Father, we thank you that you're in charge of our lives and our future. And the journey that we're on is going to have highs and lows. But you've given us the power to overcome. The faith that you've got this, the integrity to stand, comes from you. As we lean into you, may you empower us for the work before us. Yeah, and as you did with Joseph, may you bless us in the work as we seek to do everything to honor you. I thank you for the fact that we can trust in you. Lord, as we go out this day, may we bring that confidence that, that we have in you to others. That they too can stand. That they would know you as Lord and Savior. We praise you and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, Amen. and praise Jesus. Have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m.